It's, it's like something that happened to America and Western industrialized countries back in the 80s. And James McKenna says that it was an epidemic that we created our own selves by putting babies in a different room. Hey sister, you are listening to the Daily Momster Podcast and I'm your host, Jesse Trulove. You can find me at Move with Trulove on social media. This episode is especially for my bed sharing mamas. I am chatting with Tiffany of CoSleepy on Instagram. She is one of my favorite accounts to follow for all things bed sharing, co-sleeping, and she really just breaks down how normal, natural, and biologically normal it is uh, to sleep and want to sleep with your baby close to you. In 2020, Tiffany founded CoSleepy, a co-sleeping one-stop shop to help modern parents keep their babies safe and close at night. Tiffany is a frequent guest on podcasts and blogs, and she was recently interviewed in New York Magazine's viral article, Are We All Secretly Co-Sleeping? You're going to love this episode if you want to hear all about the magical ways that moms are connected to their babies and how biologically normal it is to share a bed with your little babe. I'm so excited for you to hear this podcast episode. And if you have time, I would love you forever if you could rate and review this podcast. It just takes five seconds and a little flick of the thumb for that five-star rating so that more mamas get these tools and resources and we can connect in more ways. With that said, let's welcome Tiffany to the show. Hey, sister, welcome back. You are listening to the Daily Momster podcast. I am your host, Jesse Trulove, and I am joined by Tiffany of Co Sleepy on Instagram. You are one of my favorite accounts to follow when it comes to all things bed sharing, co sleeping, and just feeling good as a mom, knowing that what we're doing is not just it feels good, but it's also biologically normal. It's us listening to our instincts and kind of like my tagline for this podcast and kind of just how I choose to mother and parent and support other moms doing that is that mama knows best. If you feel like something is going to work for you and something doesn't work for you, like listen to that because at the end of the day, you were chosen to take care of this baby and you know what's best for your situation. So I'm super stoked to have you, Tiffany. Can you go ahead and just introduce yourself? Let everybody know kind of what you do and how you got into this. Yeah. Um, my name is Tiffany. I have a blog called cosleepy.com and it started out as a blog because I became a mom in 20, 2018 and I could not Two. find any. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. So I couldn't find any good, solid, um, information on safe co-sleeping back then. And so I've, since I started my blog, I started an Instagram page, which it makes me so happy because now we're close to hundred thousand now. And it's just like seeing the numbers of other moms and dads. We have a bunch of dads there too, who are publicly hitting, you know, hitting follow and admitting to co-sleeping is a really big deal because here, at least in America, um, it can be so stigmatized and just something that people lie to their, their pediatricians about mm -hmm. or their friends or family about. And so it just, as our little community has grown, it just warms my heart so much. But um, yeah, I just go into, I call myself a safe co-sleeping educator because I don't know what else to call myself. I just have read all the books we have and the studies on this topic. And I try to sort of break it down for modern parents um, because a lot, it's great information, but it's, you know, very like technical and sometimes there's not um, a practical aspect to it. So right. I like, so I have my Instagram and my blog and I'm just starting a new podcast that hasn't launched yet, but working on that. I'm just trying to help those parents out there who at 3am are desperate for information. And if they Google it, they're probably going to find really scary yeah. articles, you know, like fear mongering stuff. And mm -hmm. it's, I'm just trying to get the scientifically backed information that we do have up higher in the search results. So. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's not like kept in this like ivory tower of like mm -hmm. that you're normal if you want to sleep by your baby and you don't want anything bad to happen. Um, yeah, you like, it's so you, simple. yeah, you hit on a couple of things actually already. Uh, just the fact that, like you said, if you think about a hundred thousand people, like in a stadium, like looking at you and raising their hand and being like, yeah, I co-sleep and I'm like, I'm okay to say it, you know? Um, I think when, cause you became a mom in 2018 and so did I, um, I, I wasn't really sharing my motherhood experience. I was actually struggling with postpartum anxiety and I had no idea until I had the perspective of having my second. Um, and I, that I, by then I had already shared a lot of my mothering experience and I shared a reel that was like, 
I don't know, there was a trend going around on TikTok about like, and where does the baby sleep? And I said, in the crib. And I'm like, it my my TikTok thing was like me lying to my pediatrician because my baby always slept with me, but they ask and they want one answer. They don't really want the other answer. And if they get it, they're going to tell you that it's dangerous and that it's this and that it's that. And I got so much hate on that TikTok. Like people just saying that I wanted something bad to happen to my baby. And it's just wild. But if we look at the rest of the world, like I, I was telling you before we hit record that I'm the oldest of six and my parents co-slept, but I don't, I don't, I never knew there was a difference, but there is a difference. Co-sleeping and bed sharing are different. My parents bed shared with all six of us at separate times. I don't remember it ever being traumatic that we had to leave. And it was just like the next baby was coming. And so we like, it was just a transition that we all went through. And, uh, my parents, both my parents are first generation born in the U S. So I think it was a lot more normal for our family to do that. Um, but it's like not, not, mm, I feel like it's normal. I feel like it's not as accepted in the U S like you were saying. Okay. Yes. Anytime we talk about this on Instagram, it's so interesting because you have people from the U S or Canada or the UK and they Mm -hmm. go off in the comments about how they've been yelled at by the pediatrician, um, or they're scared to death to tell, to tell the truth because they're afraid of like child services or something right, like that. Yeah. And then you have people from all over the the rest of the world who are following this page who are like, oh, wow, I'm so sorry. Like, it's not like that it, here at all. Like we have yeah. our mom's group and they just go over how um, you should have separate blankets, so you and dad, so you don't like accidentally cover the baby. And it's just sort of common. It's like right. passed down. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you on TikTok. TikTok. That's happened oh, to me it's crazy. so many times. Yeah, I'm sure it's like crazy out there. <laughs> it's yes. You have to be like in a good headspace to post certain things. When I post it, I'm like, I'm just not ready for this today. I'm going to wait till tomorrow because I know I'm just going to get attacked. Sometimes so. you just hit post and you just never look. You just never <laughs> look at the comments. That's my that's my professional advice. Good idea. Um. Okay. So can we just start by explaining? how bed sharing and sleeping with her newborn is is the globally preferred sleeping arrangement for humans and how it is biologically normal as we were just talking about it seems to be extremely controversial in the U.S. and even in our medical system it's labeled as like unsafe I had to watch all the videos on how terrible it was to sleep with your baby uh, before I left after my c-section so there was that Uh, and yeah even asking you know if we, if we do want to bed share, it's like us asking for something bad to happen. So can you, can you share kind of like why it actually is the opposite and the science behind that? Wow. That's, there's so much here. Um, I yeah. pull a lot from <laughs> Dr. James McKenna, who, um, he wrote a book called safe, um, infant sleep. So I highly recommend that. So he talks a lot about how, if you think about the human race from the very beginning, this is how we survived and we grew, we thrived you know, and became what we are today. You keep your babies close at night, especially at night when it's so, they're so vulnerable, you know, like back then all sorts of scary things could happen at night. You need your baby with you, you know, and up until, yeah. And up until about 500 years ago, that was the norm all over the world. At least biological anthropologists believe this, but certain things happened. I could give you a really great article to put in the show notes if you want, Mm but um, around that point, Western industrialized countries kind of shifted and started to do more independent sleep. Um, That's like, there were different reasons, like formula became available, which didn't mean that the mom needed to physically be there feeding the baby, like constantly throughout the night, they could hand it off to like, uh, I was going to say servant, someone who works for the household. These are like more wealthy households too. Mm -hmm. It became a status thing to have a separate bedroom, like a nursery for the baby. Right. That was something to brag about. So like all these things were happening around that time. And so certain countries kind of shifted away from the rest of the world. But now if you look um, all of Latin America, South America, uh, Asian countries, like think about Japan, they're like 100% co-sleeping there and they don't have any cases of SIDS. SIDS is like something that happened to America and Western industrialized countries back in the 80s. And James McKenna says that it was an epidemic that we created our own selves by putting babies in a different room. Right. So that's a whole separate topic, but yeah, look at the rest of the world. 
Um, if you don't believe me, just go to any of my posts and look down through the comments. You'll see people who just can't believe it. They're like, yeah. how is that a normal thing that you get yelled at if you don't do like, by putting your baby somewhere far away at night, especially here where um, they say you need to breastfeed, at least in hospitals in the US, um, they really want to push breastfeeding instead of formula. So how do they expect us to breastfe breastfeed for at least the first year if we're also sleeping separately? Like it's just logistically, that just doesn't really work for most families. And also you have the highest production of lactation hormones, like in the middle of the night. So when you totally. cut that out and you yeah. do something where you're separating your baby, it doesn't like, make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like make it make sense. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you said that because those anthropologists have, they believe that sleep and breastfeeding were meant, they were like designed to go together. Like yes. think about when you breastfeed, you get drowsy because of the hormones that are released. Like that's on purpose. You're supposed right. to, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, we're going against nature or right. It's like, none of that is on accident and it's like, don't fall asleep. You know, it's, yes. but, and, and then also like, don't, and it's also like a bad habit to like, let your baby fall asleep while they're nursing. Like, well, if it wasn't supposed to happen, it probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I, that's a really weird thing that apparently is very American too, is a bad habit. Why would yeah. that be a bad habit? They're new, they're a tiny little baby. Like mm -hmm. let them live their life and do the one or two things that they're like designed to do at this stage. Right. Um, you know, what's so crazy. Uh, you also mentioned, you know, uh, keeping your baby, like it does, it wouldn't make sense in an evolutionary standpoint of having your baby far away from you in a vulnerable position, like at night when, you know, there could be threats. Um, and for me, I see that as like any threat, um, not breathing, rolled over, you know, a blanket covering or like whatever. It's like that can happen kind of anywhere. But but for my um, my second daughter, she had a cerebral seizure laying right next to me. I knew exactly what was happening because my first daughter had had one um, as well. And she, I mean, her seizure was 11 minutes and if she was in another room, I would have never known that was happening and we wouldn't have gone to the emergency room. And it was like, it could have been anything, you know, and another time we had to go to the emergency room because she was um, choking and was completely had no airflow because she had fluid in her lungs. And she, I mean, if she was in a crib, like she was supposed to be, you know, air quotes, supposed to be, who knows if she would have even been here because I wasn't there. Right. Um. And I've heard so many stories like that because when I share that story, I get so many responses. Like I caught this or this was happening mm -hmm. and I was right next to my baby. And I don't, honestly, I do not remember the last time I got so deep of sleep, like where I didn't wake up. I'm a very light sleeper now because my kids sleep with me and I'm, I feel like also by design. Um, and I think James McKenna talks about mm -hmm. that too. The, 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 ba the baby and, and the mom, like the mom just knows like where her body is in space and also I don't know. You can yeah, his, that too. Yeah. His studies have shown that a breastfeeding mom and her baby are connected. They're in sync. Like their breathing syncs up their heart rate. When one of them stirs, the other one will stir. Um, you know, like he's, he has a sleep laboratory and he like has videos of all this. It's fascinating stuff. And so that's absolutely what you described. That's how it's supposed to be. You're the mom. You're supposed to know if there's a life-threatening event like that happening, mm -hmm. you're supposed to be with your baby. So it's just, it's so wrong. He even uses the word, word cruel or illegal sometimes. He's like, mm -hmm. he's more courageous than me. Sometimes I, I'm scared of using big words like that. But like, um, he says it's cruel to do, to teach moms and to shame them for wanting to be with their baby. Yeah. So. It's always been very interesting to me, the, the amount of uh, shame that is around that. And it's like, it's either it's either like their feelings or, or yours and your babies. Like I remembered, um, like I, I tried sleep training. I, because I was pressured into it when my daughter was eight months old and I just remember sitting outside of her room, she would be in there crying and I'm sitting outside her room and I'm, I'm crying. I'm like, this just feels like it goes against every grain in my body. And I don't understand who this is helping, you know? And it did feel cruel. Like that's the word it feels like. And it feels mm -hmm. like a big word. And I have, I have so many friends that do sleep training and they are thriving. And I'm just like, you know, just like do whatever works for your family because mama knows best, but like, 
I like, I draw the line at like shaming moms that are sleeping with their babies and telling them they're asking for something bad to happen. Like you're doing exactly what nature and biology intended to happen. Yeah. Like let's talk about Japan for a second. They have really flat, like futon style mattresses here in the U S like a lot of us have big, luxurious, poofy pillow top mattresses and lots of pillows and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So there are differences why maybe here in America, there are more cases of like bad things happening during bed sharing compared to there. But Mm -hmm. there are things that we can do here in America to make our beds more like those firm futons. Like all you have to do is if we had gotten the safety, the very bare bones safety instructions from the hospital, let's say when we left, that said up to 80% of breastfeeding moms are going to fall asleep feeding their babies within the first few months. We know this happens and we don't want you to do it, but here's what to do, like how to make it safer. Think about how many lives would be saved. You know what I right. mean? Like all you, like, I'll just go over them really quickly. Of course you want to be sober and aware of where your baby is. You want to put them on a clear surface. So no bedding or pillows or stuffies, anything like that. Um, firm and flat and smooth, kind of like their crib mattress, but that could be your adult mattress. But um, if you lie in the cuddle curl position, which is like where you're basically on your side facing them and your arm, your lower arm goes up here and protects them against, protects them from your pillow. Mm-hmm. Um, and their head is level with your breast, which obviously is perfect, perfectly designed for breastfeeding on demand all night long. Mm-hmm. It's just like, there's whenever they have these quote co-sleeping or bed sharing fatalities and they go in and do reports afterwards, it's never like that setup where the mom was being very careful and doing everything like that. It was like on a couch or the mom was in her recliner and accidentally fell asleep. And they call those co-sleeping fatalities, even though that's not real. That's not like the co-sleeping that you and I are talking about right now. Right. Yeah. They just lump it all together. The people who come over and they write their little reports, they say co-sleeping because the baby wasn't in a crib. But there's all sorts of different reasons why those things happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not, so that's something McKenna talks about too. It's like, there's not a standard way to describe what happens when they come in and they see what happened when the baby passes away. And so it's like bed sharing and co-sleeping kind of gets thrown under the bus. Like they just say, it's all, it's all co-sleeping and it's all bad. And they scare you to death. Like you had to watch videos or something. Yeah. Before I left, I had to watch videos on that stuff. And it's like, I'm pretty sure babies, which is like so traumatic and terrible, but babies pass away in cribs too from SIDS, totally. but that's not like the same. They're not, it's not the same, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's like, like, like if you talk about suffocation or entrapment, those things can happen in a recliner on a crib mm-hmm. uh, on your adult mattress. They can happen anywhere. But, and that's why like people who design cribs, they make sure the bars are certain with the parts to Mm -hmm. avoid the risk of entrapment and stuff. Like there's things you can do to make it safer, but we've never really talked about how how to make your adult mattress safer. They won't even talk about it. It's like abstinence only education. They just say, never bring your baby into your bed. Right. Right. So, which is like, you feel like a huge no, no, as soon as you bring your baby, you're like, oh my God, I'm doing something bad. Like I don't want to tell anybody. Then I don't learn how to do it safely. Then it becomes dangerous. You know, it's like a basic mistake that could have been avoided and something terrible could happen to your baby, but because nobody told you. Right. You know? Yeah. It's terrible. It is. It's, it is terrible. And it's like, it, there's so many situations in, in which, bad things can happen. And there's a lot of situations in where simple changes can make a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And it's like just giving moms the information, which is what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I really want to talk about the, I saw one of your posts about James McKenna and he refers to the articulated baby maternal micro environment. Can you explain what that is? Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Um, there's eight things that he found that moms and babies exchange as they're sleeping. So they exchange heat, touch, sound, movement, carbon dioxide, smells, sight, and arousals. So a lot of people are worried about carbon dioxide rebreathing. They ask me about that all the time. But it's actually, they've found that it's actually helpful for a baby to breathe a little bit of their mom's carbon dioxide. It keeps them in a lighter stage of sleep. And what we know about SIDS is SIDS seems to happen when babies are in deep sleeps. 
that they're not ready for. They're, they're too vulnerable to like get themselves out of if they need to. So mm-hmm. it's better for a young, very young baby to be in a lighter stage of sleep. And so he's found that when a mom and a baby are breastfeeding, they're both in that lighter stage of sleep. So that's great. But all those things are just going back and forth from the mom and the baby all night long. Like, I bet you have had the situation where you both wake up at the exact same time, right? Yes. Or your husband says like, oh, I saw you. You both moved your arm over this way. It was really weird. You were like mirroring each other in your sleep. Like, yeah, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It's so, it's literally like magic. Um, Mm -hmm by design. Um, yeah, that's so wild. Yeah. So that's, so for people just to say, nope, uh, we have cribs, it's 2023. Do not put your babe in your bed. Like, what do you do when you look at like science and research and data like that? That's like, no, there's something going on here. Mm -hmm. That's very, that is, looks like it's by design, whether it's, you know, God or it's evolution or whatever you want to call it. Like there's some meaning here. You know and we I mean? may not really know the impacts of, of cutting that off, you know, the long-term effects of exactly. not allowing that system to kind of develop and that, um, that be, the being in sync with your baby, like what that can impact, uh, later yeah. down the like road. I, like I was born in the eighties. Hey sister, let's talk about skincare that really works and doesn't leave you feeling like you've got buyer's remorse. I'm talking about Dime Beauty. These products are made from clean ingredients, are vegan, cruelty-free, and contain no harsh chemicals. Dime products are also ranked between a one and a three on the EWG toxicity scale. As I'm sure you already know or have heard, fragrances can be harmful to the skin and clog your pores. So of course, Dime Beauty products are fragrance-free, which I totally appreciate. My favorites are the mascara, hyperglow vitamin C serum, and the TBT serum. It's honestly the best clean mascara I've ever used, and trust me, I've tried them all. Dime Beauty is a budget-friendly, vegan, and cruelty-free option for fantastic skincare. Their packaging is glass, making them eco-friendly, and they offer returns up to 60 days, as well as free shipping on US orders over $49. And you can use my code TRUELOVE20 at checkout to save 20% on everything, including bundles. That's code TRUELOVE20 at checkout. T-R-U-E-L-O-V-E-2-0 at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. So my mom put me in a crib from night one. I was in a different room from my parents. And this is totally anecdotal, but I have a lot of anxiety at night. I lie there for a long time. My husband's asleep and think about all the horrible things, like worst case scenario. I just right. like spiral. And I don't know if that at all has to do with my parents who were like, they were trying, they thought that's what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But I have vivid memories growing up of that when I was a young child, just sort of lying there. Like I was awake. They, and when I talk to my mom now, she says, oh, you slept through the night. Like, I don't know why kids these days have such problems sleeping because you slept through the night the whole time. Like she didn't know because she wasn't there. I was there alone. Right. I was awake a lot of times. So I have something super weird to add to this. So this is so weird that you said that, all of that, because I would watch my daughter, like when I, when she would stop crying, you know, and I would watch her on the monitor and I was like, oh, she fell asleep. And I'd look and I can see her blinking. She just stopped crying because she knows exactly. mom's not coming. Oh, um, sad. I know. Don't, I like can't um, because it's, and it's like, she just learned that that her one way of communication didn't work. It's not going to work. I'm just wasting my breath. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting that you said that because, and, and that your mom thinks you slept through the whole night because I know for a fact she wasn't like my baby was not sleeping through the whole night mm-hmm. because she would just lay there and I can see it's really weird in the monitors. You can see their eyes are like glowing. Um, yeah. Yeah. She that's thinking, staring at the ceiling. There's one study that a lot of people in this corner of the internet um, reference a lot that they don't have many studies on sleep training because they don't think it's like ethical to, to do that. Like to interesting. To, yeah. And very interesting, right? Interesting. But, but that one study, which I can find for you if you want, but 
that's I do. They they, okay. They found that babies would stop signaling, stop crying. And they think they're smart, even though they're so young, they, their bodies know it's a waste of energy because their parents are coming back. So they don't go to sleep. They just stop crying. But when they've hooked them up, they still see they have like cortisol. They have like their right. It's like a stress response. Going. They've got to yes. they've got to conserve their energy because they're scared and alone and babies and they're in a dark room and they can't move by themselves and mom's not coming. Oh shit! Now what do I do? You know, like exactly. that's what their body is telling them. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's and so then wild. The, and then this the sleep trainers tell tell the parents, look. Do you see it's quiet? They're asleep. Now you can go have a glass of wine and have time with your husband again and find your yes. find yourself again. And and yeah. you know what I mean? It's just yep. so hundred percent. It's uh it's the there's an unpopular, there's an unpopular conversation because that is the truth. It's like yeah, it's wild. Uh yeah, the sleep training that I didn't even know what sleep training was. I was just told like she needs to learn how to figure it out by herself. There when in 2018, I don't I wasn't on social media for mother stuff. Um and yeah, it didn't last long. And then even when I was putting her down to bed, if she woke up in the middle of the night, I would nurse her back to sleep um every single time and or bring her into bed at, like five in the morning or whenever she woke up. Um, but then that didn't last long because I just, I couldn't take it. I was like, this is literally helping nobody. It's giving us both anxiety, literally trying mm -hmm. to do this. Um, so exactly, yeah. exactly. And co-sleeping or bed sharing isn't perfect. Of course not, but there's challenges, but like, if you can figure out how to make it safe to where you feel confident, you feel good. You're not like anxious every night that your baby's going to get hurt or something. Then you can just go just like try it out and make adjustments where you need to, like maybe your partner gets better sleep in a separate bedroom or on the couch, mm -hmm. which I've heard a lot of people get judged for that too. But like, if it works, this is a yeah. very temporary season of life. Like you'll be, your partner will be back in your bed later, you can yeah. be together again, or you can find other ways to spend time together. But if it's helping you and your baby have more space and just feel better on the bed and your husband or your partner is over there sleeping better, why not just try different things and see what works for you. Nobody's, you can't compare yourself to anybody else. We're all different. Each of our little family units are different. Right. Totally. Um, I, you also had a recent post that all of your recent posts was like, okay, I need to have her on right now. Um, but you talked about chest sleeping and basically what that is, is you're just, you have your baby sleeping on you, like contact nap. Um, is it ever safe? And are there safe ways to do it? Like if necessary, like what would you say to a mom that's currently chest sleeping with her baby and feels unsure or the, or pressure to change mm -hmm. her current situation? Yes. I've been talking about this a lot lately because I'm just launching a new guide, like a PDF how-to guide on it because I have one on cuddle curling. And I found a lot of research from James McKenna and La Leche League has this amazing book called Sweet Sleep. I highly recommend. There's lots of... If you Google that or look on Pinterest, you'll find lots of information about the cuddle curl. But for my two babies, for example, they didn't want to be lying next to me. They wanted to be on me mm -hmm. specifically. And I couldn't find much information on that. So I've spent almost a whole year like interviewing um, biological anthropologists and trying to find answers to this because it's not in one of like even James McKenna in his book doesn't really talk about it. So but apparently so many of us do it. Like, I don't know about you, but like a lot of those babies, like they're thankful that they're not in a crib, of course, but they still don't want to be next to you. They want to be there with their head on your chest, sort of like right over your heart. They can hear yeah. your heartbeat and it reminds them of the womb, you know? So I, if you want, I can give you the like very basic safety things, like ways to make it safe, but yeah. um, okay. So you'll want to lie. You'll want to prop yourself up in the middle of a firm mattress. So you don't want to do this on a couch or sofa or anything, because if your baby has the moral reflex or when they get older mm -hmm. and they get, they start to become mobile, they could just roll off and get stuck like in a couch cushion or somewhere where their mouth and nose is covered. Right. And they can't, mm -hmm. that's so dangerous. Um, so you want to be on a flat surface. It could be the ground if you wanted, but like probably your mattress. And um, so that if they kind of slip off, they'll just land on that flat mattress right beside you and mm -hmm. they'll be okay. Um, and the angle doesn't really matter. I would say from what, from when I talk to people to make this guide, probably like a 20% angle up to maybe a 45%. I liked mm -hmm. the higher, I felt better, much higher. Um, and, but other people just want a slow, 
a like a lower slope. Mm -hmm. Um, so find what works well for you. You can buy a wedge pillow or you can use like three or four of your regular pillows just to prop yourself up. But that's really important because you, if you're completely flat on your bed and your baby's on your chest, they're essentially lying prone, like flat on their tummies, Mm -hmm. which we know is not good for young babies. They're much safer on their back. So chest to chest sleeping, they're going to be prone, but if you're at an angle, their body weight is like falling on their bottom and their legs. Mm -hmm. It's not on their um, lungs and their chest. Mm -hmm. So they're free to take big breaths, you know? Um, And so in Sweet Sleep, if you get that book, that's the only book I've been able to find that has a little bit of information on this. They recommend, they say you always need to be propped up a little bit so that if you're looking at your baby in the air, their head is up higher in the air than their bottom, their butt. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Not like this, but it just needs to be up higher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of chest sleeping because I had a C-section and it was very Mm -hmm. hard for me to feed um, and move around it from my back. So being at it more of an incline uh, was much easier for me. Plus with C-section babies, they don't get the good squeeze out of the vaginal canal. So my baby had a lot of fluid in her lungs and she could not sleep on her back. She would just choke. See, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they it just was say- like, yeah. And I just did, I like, it, it was wild because in the hospital, they took her little incubator thing they somehow like angled it just how you said head above um their tail head above bottom and they literally had those little baby blankets in wrapped up super tight and her wedged like so that she couldn't like roll over um or move but they had them wedged all around her so that she was sleeping upright and then basically told me to go home and sleep with like put her on her back then we had to go to the emergency room because she um uh what's it called when you she she just like inhaled all the fluid that was like coming up and so it just completely blocked her airway and she was completely blue um it was so scary that's what I'm saying it's like they just they have their ways they do something at the hospital but when they send you home they say okay in a crib or bassinet flat on their back like that's not gonna work I'm so glad that you just on your own figured out like intuitively figured out to put her on your chest yeah we could not have her flat and that was she went to the er at two weeks old and so for the first two weeks like she we never had her on her back because she couldn't she was Mm -hmm. always on our chest so that she had a little incline um and if she was sleeping on her back like we just watched her we like never took our eyes off of her because she couldn't breathe which was just it was like very intense newborns are like Mm -hmm. so sketch they're so sketchy to me it's scary yeah. Um, a lot of people in the beginning do this and they switch off so that a parent, like a, one of the partners will take a shift and watch, stay up. And, um, and then when they get more comfortable and see that like nothing bad is happening, the baby's asleep when they start to get hungry and they sort of start to wiggle, mom wakes up or dad right. wakes up at the same time. And then um, the laid back breastfeeding position is a lot easier than sideline, which mm-hmm. is what you would be probably be doing in the cuddle curl. So Mm -hmm. it just makes sense that in the very beginning with a newborn, they would be up here on your chest and then you can sort of shift down and do whichever position is easiest for you. And then you just put them back to where their head is on your, over your heart and Mm -hmm. their head is facing one of the two ways air is coming in. Like if they did start to slip, you would wake up, you know, you don't, one safety thing is you don't want to swaddle them when they're on you because in case they do fall, they need to have their arms and legs free to kick around and get your attention. Right. Um, And you don't. So there's little things like that, but again, nobody talks about this. And I, like I said, this is even more of like, nobody talks about this more than even like cuddle curling and regular bed sharing. I want to give parents enough information to make their own informed choice about this because otherwise it is like abstinence only. If, if we say like, you can never have your baby in your bed and you especially can never let them sleep on your chest. They're still going to do it. Yeah. And we know for a hundred percent, that there are people that are going to do it. So why not give that good information? You know, it's like little tips and tricks too. Just like what you said about having the baby outside of a swaddle, not so they can save themselves, but so they can wake you up. So they have some sort of limb that's going to smack you and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Um, that's a really good point because I feel like there's so many swaddle companies out there and who, who would know, 
not to put a swaddle, you know, I don't know because people, yeah. there's so much information that it's hard to like listen to yourself. That's it's something so that hard. I, yeah. After the whole sleep training thing, like I got really good at just like, okay, all this is bullshit. I'm going to just do whatever I think I want to do, you know? Um, and especially then there wasn't a lot of like information in your face, how it is now, but there is just so many opinions out there and everybody is an expert. And it's like, it's like giving moms so like the tools to, to make the choice and be confident in those, in, in her choice, you know, like she knows exactly. she's probably going to chest sleep, like have her baby on her chest, like at least give her a couple tips, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can say like, we, I can't give you a hundred percent. Um, for certain answer that your baby's going to be safe on your chest, but also no one could tell you that about a crib either because right. you know what I mean? So unfortunately this is life and you know, nothing in life is a hundred percent safe at any point, sadly. Yeah. So, so if you feel, if you feel equally nervous about your baby over there in the crib or on your chest, you're going to have to just pick which one feels right. a little bit better. Right. For whatever, like either sleeping or just your anxiety as a whole. Like I know that people are just like so uncomfortable with baby in the bed because they don't trust themselves. Man, if you don't trust yourself, I don't trust you. Like don't sleep with that baby then, you know, it's like. That's true. I, what it is. I definitely, I say I'm not a co-sleeping evangelist. Like I know it doesn't work for every family. And there's definitely some situations where I would say, oh, you definitely, you shouldn't. There's yeah. something called bedside co-sleeping. It's like what you were talking about earlier, how there's like a terminology confusion sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so co-sleeping is what I use sort of like as an umbrella term. And underneath it, there's bed sharing. And that's like chest sleeping or cuddle curling when your baby is literally in your bed. Mm -hmm. But then another kind of co-sleeping that falls in there under the umbrella is bedside co-sleeping. And so that's if they're like, if you have a sidecar attached to your bed or you have a bassinet or crib that's pulled up right there and you are literally inches away and can reach in and touch your baby at any point, mm -hmm. that's considered a, that's type of co-sleeping. Also, there's just room sharing, which is broad. Like, um, like we're room sharing right now. I have my youngest in my bed, but then my five-year-old is on his own mattress across the room, but yeah. we're technically, he's still in our room. We're still co-sleeping with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's so many ways, like James McKenna says, there's literally thousands of different ways that people around the world are co-sleeping. Mm-hmm which yeah, is so cool. So cool. It's like you, if you're co-sleeping with your baby, if you're bed sharing, if you're, you are not the minority, like you are, no. there's, it's like, there are, it's happening all around the world and it's happening safely. And you're not weird. You're not asking for anything bad to happen. No, you're actually yeah. tapping into nature or your intuition. You're, you're on the right path. So just keep like what you said, just like, list, start listening. I know it's so hard because there's information thrown at you from everywhere. And you're probably as a new parent, you're probably extra sleep deprived, or maybe you're healing from your C-section and your birth or what, you know, whatever, like yeah. you have a lot going against mm -hmm. you. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard. But... It is. Yeah. Chiming in, let's talk rituals. More specific, ritual pre and postnatal vitamins. I've been taking ritual vitamins for over four years. You guys know I have a code for you. It's TrueLove20 to save you 20% off to try them out for yourself. It was the only prenatal I could take on an empty stomach that didn't make me feel nauseous, and it's the postnatal I've been taking since delivering my youngest. Why I love ritual is that they have traceable ingredients. They're all non-GMO, third-party tested, vegan, and nothing artificial. Their subscriptions are easy to start and easy to cancel, and their team of scientists and nutritional experts are on a mission to turn your new healthy habit into a ritual. The shipping is always free. You can control your delivery date, cancel any time, and there's a money-back guarantee. I love ritual. I know you guys will too. Now let's get back to the show. Can you explain the sensory proximity? Sensory proximity and how does bed sharing impact this? We're just gonna, we're gonna keep going with this bed sharing thing. Yeah. So that's kind of, again, what we were talking about. Um, McKenna found that about eight inches is where you are exchanging all those exchanging things. Exchanging the baby. eight things. Okay. All yeah. those things. Yeah. So if you're a little further, like let's say your baby is um, in a bassinet pulled right up to your bed, but you've got a few feet bet in between you, um, that's still very beneficial for your baby. Um, but they're not getting your carbon dioxide at that point. Like they're not, they're probably sleeping in a little bit of a deeper sleep than if they were right next to you and breathing in some of that. So maybe that works for some families better. Um, they're, they're not going to be as deep in a, in a deep sleep as if they were like, um, back in the eighties in a different room, like on their tummy, that is a dangerously deep sleep. 
So as long as they're- Can you talk about the tummy? Like, why is the tummy sleep so dangerous? Because I feel like my baby's rolled over onto their belly. And they like, do. And that is yeah. the thing for all the experts say that for this first year, when you're kind of um, trying to reduce, re- reduce risk for SIDS, you want to make sure your baby's on their back or if they insist and they have to be on their side, you know, with their face, like right there by your breast, cause they want to just nurse on and off. Um, yeah. They say that as they get older, you can allow that if you want, if you have a firm mattress, so they're not like sinking down into like a dip in the mattress where they mm-hmm. could like rebreathe their own carbon dioxide and everything. But, um, they say that side sleeping isn't ideal, but it's better than tummy sleeping. Tummy sleeping will definitely put them in a deeper sleep. And, um, it's, if you look at crib mattresses, they are very, very hard and they've been tested and it takes a lot, you know, to get their certification. They have to be very firm for this reason, because babies have such big, heavy heads and weak necks, you know, it's hard for them to move. So if they got into a position where they couldn't really breathe very well, it's much easier to move a big head. If you have a firm, if you're on a firm surface, like Mm -hmm. on an adult mattress, which might be kind of plush on the top or memory foam or something like that, they can't move it. So, so if they're on their back, at least, you know, they've got all this air in front of their face, but if they're on their side or especially on their tummy and they're sinking into the mattress a little bit, it could really be dangerous. So okay. that makes so much sense. I feel like that has never been explained. Their head is heavy. Yeah. I so feel like, takes- I'm like, why is the tummy sleeping so dangerous? But yeah, their head is huge when they're, mm-hmm. when they're so little and they can't. So even if they wiggled and like got their head to move a little bit, it's like, it could go in down into yeah. the mattress and then they can't wiggle it back out. Mm-hmm. And if you're next to them, hopefully you would wake up. Right. But think about these babies um, again, to throw the eighties under the bus, but those babies back then were in a separate bedroom on their right. tummies. Yeah. So that's just no wonder so many of them are passing away due to SIDS. Mm-hmm. And, and how we stopped that was simply just by telling parents now they have to put their babies on their backs. And so SIDS is so much more rare now. They think mm-hmm. uh, like babies sleeping prone was the main, one of the main causes of it. So, so my yeah. advice to anybody here, if you're bed sharing with a baby, especially under one, please try to keep them on their back or, or their sides. If you feel good about it, if you feel like they're safe, there on their side, right there with their head, you know, homed into your breast sort of, and you're on your side kind of monitoring them, then mm-hmm. please feel free to do that. But I always, I know it's hard to flip them over every time you notice them on their tummy, it can get really frustrating, but it's, again, this is temporary, yeah. just a short season of life. Yes. Uh, yeah, I feel like my my kids would flip over onto their belly, but they were like on, um, we had like hardwood floor with like the little play mats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like they never had a problem like getting squished because it's like a hard, it's like the hardwood is like right there. So they like never would like get stuck under there. That but sounds would- a lot safer. Yeah. Than like my Casper memory foam mattress I had when I first started bed sharing. Yeah. We quickly like got a new one because I was like, this is not, this has been designed for adults to feel super comfortable when they're sleeping, but it's not, they're not designed for a young, vulnerable baby. Obviously. Right. Totally. Um, okay. So now we're going to get into the whole reason why I wanted to have you on. And that is bed sharing with a toddler. And I get, I get a lot of questions about this, uh, bed sharing with a toddler, like with an expectant mother. So they're about to bring a newborn into the picture. The toddler is still bed sharing. This was my exact scenario. Um, I had a two and a half year old at the time that I had my second and I, 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 I don't give advice, but I, I, it would look different every night. It was like, the configuration was just a little bit different every night. Um, but do you have any check boxes or any things that people can do? Cause it is happening. I did it and we were kind of jigs. We were Tetris into the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So there's definitely, we have some guidelines from these books and everything, but we, you and I were talking about this beforehand and it's just, there's not a really crystal clear, easy answer that works for every family because mm-hmm. Your toddler has been bed sharing, probably co-sleeping or bed sharing with you for a long time or their whole life. And so this is a very traumatic experience for them to all of a sudden, like in my case, I had a two-year-old when we brought the new baby home 
And he was so upset that my back was turned to him when he'd wake up through the night and um, my back, I was facing the new baby on the other side. And this was something I never foresaw beforehand. I didn't know he'd be upset because he saw my back, but it was like the worst thing ever to him. He would try to pull me over backwards, climb over me and almost hit the new baby. And he would just have a meltdown many times throughout the night, which I felt terrible about. But I also had this new instinctual thing where I needed to protect the new baby and I needed to feed the new baby. So it was trying to get breastfeeding to work for both of us. So I was like a little bit, to be honest, I was a little bit resentful of my two-year-old, just like, why can't he be happy just lying next to me? But yeah, I'm not facing him, but there was no reasoning with him, obviously. Um, and so for us, we, I think we tried to make it work for the first three months or so. And then eventually my husband took, we, uh, we put another mattress in a different room and he started bed sharing in a different room with my toddler, but every morning he, the toddler would be at my door. There was a lock and he would be banging on the door and trying to break in screaming and crying for us. So it was just, it was hard for everybody in the family. Right. Yeah. And so now what I try to, some things I recommend are as soon as you find out you're pregnant, start practicing sleeping, facing the other way for parts of the night, Mm -hmm. um, just to get your toddler used to waking up and seeing your back, because like, I know it sounds silly, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal to them. And when I have talked about this on Instagram, other people have said the same thing happened to us. So I know it's not just my toddler. Um, you could also, you could, if you really wanted to, you could have your partner start to become sort of like the nighttime caregiver of your toddler, like the go-to person when your toddler wakes up, mm-hmm. um, which might be nice during your pregnancy if you could sort of ha- get more sleep or not be in charge and everything. Because I know a lot of us moms are like the go-to person throughout the night, but um, that could be just little things, or it could be your partner starts like moves to another room with your toddler already. Um, but again. that might work for some families and some toddlers, depending on their temperament or personality. And sometimes it won't, but you could try these things when you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, Because I think when you throw in, when you add the newborn to the mix and it's just so much more chaotic and more stressful and emotional for everybody. So if you can like try to do these tests sort of to see what would work in experiments beforehand, that is so much better. So um, the, from the actual guidelines we have, all we know from the experts is to that a parent needs to always be between the newborn and the toddler, just because toddlers are, you know, they're unpredictable and we wouldn't want accidentally them to like cover the new baby's mouth or nose. That's also why they say your pet shouldn't be in your bed while you have a baby under one, right. just because they're unpredictable. Mm-hmm. But um, so again, something I recommend now is if you could set up a sidecar That's where you take a crib, a regular rectangular crib, and you take off one of the sides and you can literally attach it to your bed, your bed frame. Okay. Um, So the new baby's in on their own surface right there, safe on the sidecar, and mom is right next to the baby. Then you have the toddler and then your partner. So you still might have a toddler who's upset about your back being turned to them turn to Mm -hmm. them, but at least you're the new baby is like in their own little safe space over there. And you're like, you can lean in or crawl in and be with them if need be. So it's not like there's a barrier there and you're separate too separate from them. But um, I, cause when we did it, we were all just on one mattress and I felt that really scared me because it was so easy for the toddler just to jump over me and hit the new baby. Mm -hmm. So, so that's one thing I recommend. We were that sketchy. We had, we, yeah. Just because that's what we could do. It was like, and it was weird because my daughter, my, my two and a half year old, she like started to want to sleep in her own room. This was back. We just sold our house and now we live in a tiny house where all four of us are sleeping on a full bed, which. Wow. That's hard. It's so hard. And it's like, how do you even explain how to do that? You know, you just like, if you guys, if you guys saw our sleeping arrangement right now, you'd be like you can't even talk about sleep, about bed sharing, right? Like you're, you, you're crazy. You're not the Um, only one though. I promise you. That's what I mean. It's like, I know that there's somewhere in the world that people are sharing a tiny mattress all together and they're making it work and it's working every single night. You know, it's like that it's what we have to do right now In, in Oklahoma at our house that we just sold, we had a California King and it was a very, you know, very big bed. And, um, it was a weird sleeping arrangement too. And it was like, that was when River, my youngest, was having her like choking spells and like had to be all at an incline. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like 
incredibly sketchy. And also you have to do it. Like there was no way for us to do what the books are telling you to do in that situation. It's like, she can't sleep on her back. She can't sleep in her own room. It's like, what do you do? And it's Mm -hmm. like, you just, I think that, I don't know. It's like so helpful to hear from people that have read all of the research and done all of the, the, that, that type of work. And it's like also just like trusting yourself too, you know, because it, it was like, there was literally like, if you would have seen our sleeping arrangement, it's like, that's why I think your little people want to see how to do it. They want to know how to do it. And I saw your post was like all these different sleeping arrangements with a toddler and, and a infant with your little graphics and all the different ways. And basically how we did it was the, uh, parent separate. We were like the dividers between all mm-hmm. the kids and it just, it, that's how it worked for us. And, um, you know, there's always like people on the internet, Oh, your poor husband, you you know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's just like, what if he wants it too? What if he wants the babies in the bed too? It's like, it's like not even an option, you know, it's like not even a consideration. It's like, we all want to be together. Um, yeah, it's so yeah. crazy. My husband has always been on board for co-sleeping and I yeah. hear that all the time, like partners being super supportive, or maybe the partner's the one who suggests it. Yeah. Because they're just like, look, this is the way we're all getting better sleep. And we're let mm-hmm. and we're fighting less because we have more sleep during the day. So we like are nicer to each other. Right. You know? Yeah. So 100%. and I mean, yeah, just again in this situation, I just say same thing. Like, especially if you're chest sleeping with your brand new baby, just um maybe I mean if you have a big bed, I would say try to keep a couple feet between you and your toddler. I know it's not possible, but if they fall asleep, maybe your yeah. partner could sort of like pull them back a little bit just in case that happens baby, all night long all night you know. long we're pushing and shoving and like exactly. getting everybody back into there it's like that's just the season we're in it's exactly. like we're all packed in there like sardines it's not going to be like that forever and I always think like oh my gosh everybody's complaining about like if you have good luck getting that baby out of your bed like listen we all grew up to want to be married or have a partner and sleeping with somebody in our bed like why wouldn't our kids want to have that too it's like we all didn't grow up to be independent sleepers like we all want to sleep next to somebody it's just exactly (laughs) that it's exactly they they expect like a brand new baby to like be able to face a whole night of like 10 or 12 hours of darkness like all alone but like we adults just feel better just feel happier like having someone there it just it really doesn't make sense doesn't make and, sense at all. <laughs> yeah. So I think what you did is very normal and common and you figured it out and trusted your intuition. And um, I'm, I think that so many other families are doing the exact same thing. So, so, yeah. um, so I have one last kind of topic that I want to touch on and that is contact napping, especially when they are little. Can you tell us the benefits of contact napping and what is actually happening during this time? Uh, You've mentioned heart rate variability in some of your posts, which I found super interesting, just kind of pours into the idea that mom and baby are way more connected than it seems and that kind of our medical system and everybody around us is like wanting us to believe like we're way more connected to our baby than it seems. Yes, so connected. Like, I don't know when this ends, but I know for very young babies and newborns, um, heart rate sync up, breathing syncs up, um, moms, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but if your baby is overheating, if they're getting too hot on you, mom's body will cool down to in turn, cool down the baby. Like that blew my mind. And I saw that happen a couple of times with my baby. Um, that's just, that's what I'm talking about. There's like something bigger going on here than we know very much about. And so I just think it's amazing. Um, yeah, contact naps. I loved them. I sometimes when I post about them, people will get mad and say, you can't expect mom to be attached to baby constantly. Like that's not fair. You're not being a good feminist. Like let mom put the baby down and go do like have 30 minutes to do whatever she needs to do. But a lot of us moms look forward to the contact naps because that means we can just chill (laughs) and watch something dumb on TV or you know what I mean? honestly so the I, fact that you just said that I'm like I always thought I was a feminist before I really found out what it meant and I'm like oh god I don't think I am anymore um <laughs> it's like we're carrying mammals the baby's supposed to be with us mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. studies have shown that babies when they're lying skin 
skin to skin or doing a contact nap, they, they cry 12 times less than if you put them um, over there in a crib or bassinet, even if you're close by and you're singing to them and talking to them, they're going to be crying. They want to be touching your skin. That's how they're designed. Yep. So put on one of those baby carriers or a Solly wrap and get your contact napping and do your stuff (laughs) or lie or take lie, do the safe chest sleeping where you're in, you're in the middle of your mattress. That way you could fall asleep if you want. Or if you really feel like you're not going to fall asleep, you could sit on the couch and do it and watch something or listen yeah. to your podcast or something amazing, <laughs> something uplifting. Cause there's just so many, part of the problem for me was I wasn't really online back in 2018 either. Like mm-hmm. kind of what you said, I felt like I was the only one doing this. I yep. really felt so alone. And so the more you can just like someone told me recently that what she does on really hard nights is she just goes through my old posts and scrolls the comments. She doesn't even look at my posts, what I wrote. She just looks at other moms out there all over the world. And, and it just makes her feel better to know that she's not alone. Yeah. And that just like meant so much to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, you feel that on your page too, that it's very like, it's very warm and inviting. And it just like, it can quiet the noise that I think a lot of moms have. And also like, even from family and friends, like that noise can feel really, really loud because they're people that have influence in your life, maybe in some way, and that you value what they have to say and their words carry a lot of weight. And I I don't think everybody remembers. Like, I feel like the generation before us, um, they just, I don't know. It's like, there's no feeling like just put the baby in a room and let it cry. And you're like, what? Like that, it go, like my, I want to throw up. Like that was the sensation I had putting my baby in another room and letting her cry it out. It was like, I feel like I have to throw up. I feel, I feel a lot of things right now. Like, like there's danger, but it doesn't make sense. Cause there's no danger, but my body feels like that, you know? And it's, that's the part that's not normal is that to you taking care of your baby and having those feelings isn't normal. Like for us, we don't leave our kids with babysitters because it's not that nice for me to go out on a date alone with my husband, him either. We would both have more worry and stress leaving our baby with somebody than us needing a date night that didn't include our children. Like we don't Mm -hmm. do date night because we're family now. Like we did our dates. We had 10 years of dates and we're a family now, like, and that I know that doesn't work for everybody. Like everybody needs a date night, but like, this is a season of like the family dates. I, I totally, I, maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> no, I'm with you hundred percent. Like, so yeah, we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and we've left them with my parents like once or twice, maybe. And yeah. even, and that's my parents, but still yeah. I, I didn't fully enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like, the thing is like, if you're comparing your relationship now to how it was for those 10 years before you had kids, like, of course, you're going to be disappointed because you're completely different people. You've changed, totally. you've both changed so much. And so that's like, for me, I get so many questions about like intimacy, um, physical or emotional intimacy. And people saying like, this is going to ruin my marriage, right? Co-sleeping. And it's like, you have, you must have other things going on there. It's not co-sleeping, right? Like you were already in a bad place and then you're blaming it on this, right? Yes. Like, I'm sorry, that's a hard truth, but. No, like- it is. And like, it's a, it's what they don't want to hear. Nobody like wants to hear that, but it's literally not the baby. Like a baby doesn't fix your problems. And usually if it's causing turmoil, it's usually because you have your own shit to work through and it's triggering you. Like these babies don't have issues. Like it's, it's, it's you, you know, and yeah. like being a mom, I think is the easy part. It's easy loving your kids. It's easy doing that. It's hard when you've got these triggers. It's hard when your relationship isn't on point, you know, and you don't have good communication and you don't know how to get creative with your intimacy. Like things can happen more than just in the bed. Like, and if it can't, that's your own problem. And then maybe bed sharing isn't going to work, but it's not the coast. It's not the bed sharing. That's not the problem. Like, there's- and think about all the other countries in the world. Like think of India where co-sleeping is the norm. I don't know how many billions of people are in India, but it's in the billions. And like, they figure something out, even they though a lot of them have, yeah, they have one or two bedroom homes and they co-sleep. The whole family's in the same room. So they figure it out. They figure it out. And if you, you just get a little creative, you'll figure it out too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I know my date nights will be back and we'll be really sad that we don't have little high chairs and little kids and ask for kid menus. Like it's going to be a sad day. And I'm going to wish I can go back to that restaurant with the food all over the place and all over the floor and all over the table. And 
you know, it's yep. a, it's a season and seasons do what they've always done and they're, they're going to keep changing. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that you kind of, yes, a hundred percent with you on that one. Yep. Well, I have loved our conversation. Thank you so much for all of the great information. When does your chest sleeping PDF come out? Where can we find you? Tell us all of the info about co-sleepy one more I- time. Of course on Instagram, but co-sleepy.com has my guides there. I have like um, a cuddle curl guide. So if your baby is happy sleeping next to you for that first year, and now I have a new chest sleeping guide. Um, and so both of those, they're focused on comfort, safety, and logistics. So those are the three main sections. So I try to, they're organized as FAQs. So I try to make it like you can sort of cherry pick depending on what question you actually have. It's not one of those like courses or guides that takes forever. Like I know there's wonderful ones out there, but like, we don't always have time to do that when we're like in the trenches with a new baby. Right. Just tell me how to do it (laughs) so we can figure it all out at cosleepy.com and at cosleepy on Instagram. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Thank you. This has been so much fun for me. I'm so glad you followed me and started talking to me and just, I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Daily Mom Chip Podcast. If you did, be sure to subscribe. Also, before you go, I would love you forever if you could rate and review this podcast, share with a mom friend or on social media, and be sure to tag me at movewithtruelove and at dailymomchapod on Instagram. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you soon. Hey.